Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. You guys are so kind and so sweet, and it is an honor to be here with you guys today. Um, We drove in from Vancouver uh, on Friday night, and we were spending the week there with some other pastors and leaders, and it was fantastic. We had a great time together. We got to see some of our family. I grew up in Vancouver, so all my grandmas and aunties and uncles there, and it was great, but I got to say, driving back into Calgary, there's no place like home. And there's no place like Love City Church. I got to say, you guys, God is doing great things here in this place. And it's such an honor. And truly, truthfully, my heart was so glad to come back and be with all of you and to be here together today on Mother's Day to share a word that God's really been stirring in my heart. And so I want to honor all you moms today in the room, those who have yet to hold their babies in their arms, those who are in the throes of littles and all that that entails, those that are raising teenagers, may the Lord be with you, (laughs) and those who are raising adult children, because I know if I watch my mom or I watch my grandma on both sides, a mother's work is never done, and we always need our moms, and we always are thankful for a mom's touch and a mom's wisdom and her love in our life, and so I'm going to honor all the moms across the board today, wherever you fit into one of those categories, and um, I'm just so excited to share a word for moms, but not just for moms today, it's for all of us really on what it means to live a life built on Christ for today, but not only for today and for your life, but for your future generations. And that's a word that's really been stirring in my heart, is what our yes to Jesus today means. It means something great for you, and we're gonna look at what that means for you today. But I also know, and I've seen, and I'm gonna share about a little bit at the end of our time together, about what it means when we say yes to Jesus today and how that impacts impacts our children and their children, and their children's children. We saw it today with Isabella as she got water baptized this morning. Those are generations of people that have gone before her that have said yes to Jesus, and she is here today saying yes to Jesus because of their decisions to serve the Lord and to honor them with their lives. And so I'm excited about what that looks like. So we're going to dive into that together. As we've been in the series of Colossians, it's been an incredible series Pastor Ryan's done an incredible job of helping us understand the greatness of Jesus and the greatness of who he is and the characteristics and attributes of who Jesus is and what that means in our lives. And so I've been, we've been looking at those pieces and then life has been happening over here. I feel like sometimes, you know, we, we have this knowledge and this understanding now and this truth that is so valuable and so key to our walk with Christ. But then we've got real life happening over here and we've got the ups and we've got the downs and we've got the expected and the unexpected and the highs and the lows and everything else in between and we've got all of that happening and my heart has been Lord how do we now combine these two things together how do I take this greatness of Jesus and bring him into every situation and every environment that I'm encountering so that I can stand firm upon who he is and not be shaken by the things that are around me because we have this choice We have a choice, all of us do, of whether or not we're going to allow those circumstances and those situations to dictate our emotions, to dictate our decisions, to dictate how we think and act and our response to various waves and storms that come our way, or we have the choice to stop and be still and say, Jesus, I'm fixing my eyes on you. I don't understand all that's happening, but I'm choosing you, and in choosing him, and being planted and rooted in him, there we find ourselves in a place 
where we're steadfast and we're able to not be tossed and blown about by the things that we do encounter in life because the scripture tells us that we're going to encounter hard times and if we've lived a few years in this world we we realize that yes that is the truth life is not always um fun and easy and there are not always good things but there are hard moments that we encounter there's a lot of unexpected things and and as i began to walk through i know we've shared incredible testimonies pastor Ryan's done a great job of sharing that of just what god's even done in my own life with my health over the last few months i began to ask this question lord of okay life is doing this and i always see it as a graph in my mind where the waves are going like this and i've got some really great highs and some really deep lows and all of that in between and it's exhausting. And I began to cry out to the Lord, and I had this conversation with a few of you in the room, of saying, man, I can't do this all the time. I just can't be, uh, allow myself and allow my emotions to go to that very high of the highs and go right down to the very dips. That's exhausting. And I began to say, Lord, there's got to be a better way. I can't live in this place of always being dictated and allowing the circumstances around me to allow that to be who I am and what I do and how I think and and how my emotions align with what's happening. And so I began to say, Lord, I want to do this your way. I want to do this your way. And what began to kind of become in my mind is the Lord is saying, just fix your eyes on me, Stephanie. Just look at me, connect with me, make me first, build your life on me. And, and, And as I began to do that, and that's what we're going to look at this morning is how do we do that? We begin to see that these waves are still happening. Those don't shift. Those don't change. Even when we say yes to Jesus, the waves don't stop crashing. But what happens when we choose to build our life on him, when we choose to fix our eyes on him, we're able to stay in this like kind of solid line that yes, we're still feeling the bumps of what's happening, but we're not going and we're not swinging with the very highs and the depths of the load, but we're just staying steadfast and in him and we're remaining in him and we're allowing his grace to move in and through us and allowing his perfect strength to strengthen us through whatever it is that we're that we're facing and so that's what i want to look at this morning is how do we build our lives on him how do we take this understanding of who jesus is and how do we combine that and meld that into our everyday lives and so i want to look together at colossians chapter one and we'll start at verse nine and it says so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you If you have your Bibles, you can open them because I don't think it's on the screen yet, but that's okay. So it says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power. So you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. So as we look at this concept of how do we build our lives on Christ, the first thing that, that really drew my eye to Scripture was building a life on Christ and being built on Christ requires a relinquishing of control. We see this in verse 11, and it talks about, and it says that we are strengthened with all his glorious power so we can have the endurance and patience we need. And I think particularly in times when, when the storms are raging, when there's confusing things happening, 
decisions that need to be made, struggles and trials that were not expected. I think especially in those moments, we try to make sense of it. We try to build our rational human understanding around it and make a plan. I know about you, but I love a good plan. I love to know what's gonna happen today, tomorrow, the next day, and five years from now. And I'm beginning to understand that that's not always how it works out. And that plan, as much as we try to figure it out in our own strength, and much as we try to like, okay, I'm gonna do this year one, then year five, this is gonna happen, and we're gonna try this, and it's all gonna work out perfectly, and we try our best, and particularly in those moments when things are a struggle and things are not making sense, we try to make sense of it. We try to put our strength, we try to put our understanding, wrap it around the situation, and make sense of it just to calm our own hearts. And yet, if we're all a little bit honest with ourselves, we don't have control over the situation. We don't have control over those variables. Things are shifting and changing despite what we would truly hope for them to be. And we don't have control. But what we can do, and this is what I love, what we can do is allow his strength. When it says that we are strengthened with all his power, his glorious power, so that we can have the endurance and patience we need, we get to just let go and I think that that's the hardest part. We, we, we're reminded in scripture to be still and know that he is God. It doesn't say be frantic and figure it all out. It says to be still and know that he is God. And in that stillness and that quietness, I believe that's where that relinquishing of control takes place. And we're able to say, God, I don't know. I don't understand. This is really hard. But I trust that you know. And I think that's part of what this understanding comes from. We're trusting and beginning to understand who Jesus is, like we've been learning about through this series, and the promises that he's made, and the, the characteristic of who he is, and beginning to allow that to, to just sink into our hearts in those moments, to relinquish that control, and trust and trust with all that we are that he is so faithfully working. He is diligently working, you guys. He's working out details. He's working out the circumstance. He's working on that person's heart. He's working on our hearts. He's figuring all of this out because he is creator God, and he knows all of the details from beginning to end. And so what a beautiful release almost to say, hey, I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to figure this out. And being built on him just requires me to let go, to just allow him to have control. Another way that we can find in scripture that where we can be built on him requires a perspective shift. A perspective shift on, like we said, who Jesus really is and what he accomplished on the cross and what that means for you and for me. So that first part of understanding who Jesus is, because I, I don't know about you, but I like you know, you know it, and you sing it here. We sing amazing songs, and we declare his goodness, and I feel so excited. And then I go step out of this place, and I encounter something hard, and I forget. And I forget that who Jesus is, and I forget the incredible characteristics of who he is, and I forget that he is God, and that he's all of these things that we're going to review together today. And I think it's important to review these things. Why? Because the enemy's sneaky, and he wants to plant seeds of doubt and seeds of uh, confusion in our mind and, 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 and somehow, some, some way, even if you've grown up in the church or maybe this is, you're new to all this, even if you feel like you know it, in those hard moments, it's easy to forget. And so I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to like write some of these things down on a sticky note, whether you're a paper and pen kind of person or whether you like your technology. Let's write some of these characteristics and traits of who Jesus is because I believe that in that perspective shift and really allowing our mind to understand who Jesus is, that's where we can begin to establish that life-giving relationship where we are built on him and we're allowing who he is in all his perfect ways to really establish who we are. 
So let's look at some of these things, and it, and and I pray that these these things instill hope into our hearts. And so jot these down if you have a, if you have a way to write these things down. But as we've gone through Colossians with Pastor, and these are some of the tidbits that I pulled out from some of his sermons of who Jesus is. He's forgiving. He's faithful. He's unchanging. That's my one of my favorite ones. He is God. He is Creator. He's the timeless one. He's our sustainer. He's the source. He's the beginning. He's supreme. He's our redeemer. Life can and will continue to throw curveballs at us, but we can remain immovable, unshakable, unstoppable, strong, steadfast, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And we find our identity in him. In Philippians chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. I think that the, the writer knew we needed to say it twice. Rejoice. And we, Ezra and I were having this conversation the other day. He didn't, really didn't want to go to school the other morning, um, much like he often does. And I'm sure you all feel that way at some point in your life. You don't want to go to work. don't want to go to school. don't want to do the thing that you're required to go do. And I, and I began to say the scripture over him like the annoying mother <laughs> that I am sometimes. It's like, rejoice in the Lord always, Ezra. And he said, Mom rejoice like I have to go to school I don't want to say I hate that table partner that I have to sit beside right now it is not fun I don't like what we're learning I don't want to go to school and I said Ezra let's stop for a minute really consider what this is saying and begin to really speak to my heart too as we really look at this concept rejoice in the Lord so if we consider that for a minute rejoice in the Lord we just read about who the Lord is well that's a lot of really wonderful things to rejoice in his steadfastness, his faithfulness, his, that he's timeless, that he's a source, he's beginning, he's our redeemer. Rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say, and I think I often find myself in this place where, where we do, we begin to look at our circumstances, our paycheck, our job, the affirming or lack of affirming words from our spouse, maybe sometimes how our kids behave. We look at our appearance, our bank account, how people perceive us, the comments on Facebook perhaps or social media, and you begin to rejoice in those things. And we're like, man, that felt so good. I loved when that person said that thing about me. Man, I feel so good. And then when it doesn't happen, you're like, oh my goodness. Man, I'm just like really missing that affirmation that I really appreciated from that person. Or man, that, that didn't feel really good when that person said that. And we begin to do that wave, right? We begin to see the ups and the downs happening because we're putting our affection and we're building ourselves on things that are not steadfast. They're not stable. They're not secure. And so there we go on this roller coaster ride, the ups and the downs. And the Lord is saying, no, Stephanie, rejoice in me. Rejoice in the Lord. Because in rejoicing in him, man, that changes our everyday encounters. That changes our everyday circumstances. We're no longer our, is our joy and who we are and, our, and, and how we see things based upon what's happening all around us, but now it's just based in him, and there's nothing but good things to rejoice of in the Lord. When we, when we fix our eyes on that and we allow our perspective to be shifted according to who he is, everything changes. How we see things changes, and therefore we are made steadfast and renewed in him rather than riding those waves of the ups and the downs. This perspective shift also comes when we remember what Christ accomplished on the cross for us. So maybe for you, it's not the control piece. Maybe you're good with that. But maybe you're having a struggle just really connecting with the Lord because you, 
maybe kind of like how Carrie shared in her testimony that you're just not sure can God really love me and does he forgive me and can I can I connect with him and can can he really forget the things that I've done in the past and who I once was and the decisions I made even last night the decisions I made like how can a God so wonderful and perfect in all his ways truly want a relationship with me and truly want to be connected with me and so therefore we struggle in this and we begin to be tossed to and fro based on the fact that we're just not sure that we can allow a relationship. And, and why would God ever want a relationship with us? And we begin to let that those seeds of doubt penetrate our mind. But what he's asking us to do in verse 13, it says that he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us. He literally picked us up. He's picking you up. Maybe that's you right now. He's picking us up and he's transferring us into the kingdom of Christ who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. He wants you to live a free and abundant life. He wants you to feel connected to him. He wants you to know how much he loves you. And he wants you to see yourself. I think that's really important that we see ourselves the way he sees us. That we allow our perspective to be transformed because of what he accomplished on the cross. He did that so you could be free. He did that so you could have life. He sees you as loved and worthy and chosen and called and redeemed and strong and intelligent and capable. That's the lens in which he sees you. And so therefore, if we can allow that to wash over us, if we can allow our minds to be transformed according to this truth, then those waves come and we get to just stay right here. We get to just be steadfast, immovable because of who he is and how he sees us. Being built on Christ also requires a daily rededication to him. We see this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says that now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. It says in verse 6 that we have to continue to follow the Lord. It takes a reevaluation, a recalibration really of our minds to be set upon him every day. It's not just the first time when we first gave our lives to the Lord, or not just on Sundays when we come here and Pastor Ryan reminds us, and we're like, yeah, okay, that's great. Honestly, for me, it's a daily thing. I have to realize sometimes I'm like, whoa, where's my, where are my thoughts going? I need to recalibrate. I need to rededicate. I need to refocus my attention upon him as my true source, as him as my everything and as my strong, firm foundation upon which I'm building my life upon. I love that we see an example of this, um, and thankfully we don't always get it right, and I love that the Lord put an example of this in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, which, when Jesus called Peter out on the water. Let's look at this story together, and let's really kind of break it down together as we look at what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus and what can kind of happen in between all of that. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, these poor disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About 3 o'clock in the morning, kind of feels like that's always the case. When trouble really hits, I don't know if you have kids, that's when they start throwing up. 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't know why. <laughs> Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, 
If it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. I want to look for a moment at what kind of transpired in this story and how it can connect to our own lives. Here we have Peter. In a storm, massive waves are crashing. The winds are blowing hard. I don't know if you've ever felt that. That's a real feeling that we can all feel in different circumstances that we face. And here we see the winds blowing and the waves crashing. And Jesus calls Peter out into the water, and Peter begins to walk on water. Oh, my goodness, I think we just need to stop there and recognize Peter was walking on water. With his eyes fixed on Jesus, he began to walk on water. I mean, I don't know if any of you else have ever tried that. It doesn't work for me. I'm not sure how it work, works for you. But that's like defying all possibilities. Here we have Peter walking on water. And before we go into the rest of the story, I just want to pause. I just really felt as I was preparing for this that we need to be reminded in this place that a life serving the Lord and our eyes fixed on Jesus, that he wants to do miracles in your circumstance. And I really believe that, that there are miracles coming. There's some of you that are choosing today, or maybe you've chosen in the past to trust in Jesus. And I think, I know for me, I forget sometimes that I'm serving the God of miracles, that he does miraculous things. He did them then. His word says that he doesn't change, so therefore he does them today. And in, in so, I, I just pray that our faith would arise, that this decision to choose Jesus, to fix our eyes on him, to build our lives on him, we should be expecting miracles to happen because that's who Jesus is and that's what he does and that's what he wants to do in all of our lives. And so we see Peter walking on water and then we see very shortly after he got a little sidetracked and he began to look at the wind and the waves. And he began to look at the circumstances around him and what happened? He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. But I love that because Jesus, or because Peter had spent time with Jesus, he knew who Jesus, he knew who Jesus was. Just like we've been talking about, his, he was he allowed his perspective on who Jesus really was to be transformed. He had spent time with him, so he knew in that moment of sinking, who did he call on? He didn't call on the other disciples in the boat, like throw me a life raft. He just said Jesus. He asked Jesus to help him. He called on the name of Jesus, even though he had lost sight for a moment, much like I do often in my life. I'm like, yeah, Jesus, fixing my eyes on you. And then I'm like, whoa, that's hard. And I start feeling like I'm sinking. But just as Peter did, we have the opportunity to just call on his name again. He is faithfully there. And I love what it says. It didn't say Jesus. I feel like it's a mom. You know, when you tell your kid to do something and, they, and then they don't listen and they get hurt. And you're like, mm, told you okay, you're going to suffer for a little bit because I told you not to do that. And so you have that moment, but that's not who Jesus is. Thank you, Lord. Uh, he is, says in Scripture that he immediately, he didn't pause, he didn't hesitate, he wasn't frustrated in that moment. When Peter cried out for help as he began to sink, it says Jesus immediately stretched out his hand and put Peter back on a firm foundation and set his feet once again in a place that was firm and that was sure. And I believe that that's, I, that's what he wants to do for us today. He's not looking for perfection. He's not looking for us to get it right all the time. All he's saying is, hey, I love you. 
I want a relationship with you. I, I have good things for you. As you make that decision to build your life on me, I want you to release that control. I want you to set your affection once again on me. I want to I transform your perspective so that you see things according to who I am and how I see you. I want you to rededicate your minds and your lives once again. Has, however often you need to do it, continue to do it. Continue to set your mind on Christ again and allow him to come and renew your mind. And in doing these things, as we build our lives on Christ, it's not only for today, but I believe it's for our generations to come. And I think this is really important to really sink into our hearts today. And that's my prayer, and that's been my prayer for you, for my life, for my children. And I've seen, I was reminded of this as we end our time together this morning. I wanted to just share a story. As I was reminded, um, a couple of weeks ago, my grandfather passed away, and I was wasn't able to make it to Vancouver, but I was able to join online and watch his memorial and was reminded of the faithfulness of God for those who have chosen to build their lives on him and what that me meant for the generations to come after him. And so I want to share a little bit of a story. And since it's Mother's Day, I wanted to honor my grandmother, Margaret Preston, and her decision to say yes to Jesus and how that has impacted my life. I'll share a little bit of her story this morning and, and how um, my grandfather and her stories intertwined and how that has impacted me here today and how it's impacting the generations that come. My grandma married, she, she was only 15. She, she reminded me of this. When we were just in Vancouver this week, we got to sit with her and, and hear a little bit more of the details of her story. She was 15 when she married Gordon Cole. And um, they had four beautiful children together. My dad is the oldest of those four. And they, when my dad was 12, she would have been about 30 years old at the time, um, he went to work. My dad's father went to work and um, never came home that day. He tragically killed in, a, in an accident. And um, my grandma was sharing how, at the time, she didn't know that he had passed away. She had just been told, your husband's been in an accident, you need to go to the hospital. And so she said that she drove herself there. She's a very strong, independent woman. She said, I didn't want to ride. I didn't want anybody else to take me there. I just wanted to go by myself. So she drove herself to the hospital thinking that she was just going to go visit her husband who had been in an accident, get him better, and bring him home. And that was what she had been told. That's all she knew at that point. She said she arrived at the hospital and asked the front desk lady if she could go and see what room her husband was in. And she gave his name. And she said, the lady said, oh, I'm so sorry you can't see him. The coroner has already taken him away. And she said, her world began to crash as she recognized that he's gone. And she had no idea. And she, there she was by herself, a young, now widow with four young children to raise, with no idea of how to move forward. And she said that she walked back to her car all by herself. And she said she wouldn't have traded this moment in the car for anything else. She got back in the car all alone and began to take her time driving home, and she said she turned on the radio, and the song on the radio was an old song, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like deep billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul, and she, began, she said she began to just let the song wash over her, and in that moment, the waves were crashing, the storm was really real for her, she had just lost her husband and had four young children, 
to raise on her own. And she said in that moment, she said, Stephanie, I needed that time alone in the car by myself to really establish that I was going to choose to trust in Jesus, that I was going to make him my everything, that I was going to continue to build my life on him, even though the circumstances around her were raging and the storm was raging. She said, Stephanie, I needed that time just to settle in my heart that when I walked in that door to face my children, to tell them their father was no longer here, that I needed to know that that I trusted in the Lord and I was going to choose to continue to trust in him and raise my children to trust in him as well. Meanwhile, at the, around the same time, there's a man named Ron Preston um, who was pastoring a small church in Fort Langley, him and his wife and their two small children. And things began to go terribly wrong in, for him and his wife left and left him with the two small kids and wanted nothing more to do with them or, their, or the children. And here he was, a young pastor with two small kids um, marriage had fallen apart. The storms of life were really real for him too. He had to step away from ministry because of what his wife had chosen to do. And here he was. My grandma said at one point before they met, he held his head in his hands and said, Lord, there must be more for me than this. There must be more for me than this. And here we have two people who very well could have walked away, who very well could have said, this is just too hard. I can't do this. This is more than I anticipated. This is not the life I had signed up for. They, who could have very well departed ways and things could have gone a lot differently for them. But they both made the decision in those really hard moments to say, Jesus, I'm locking eyes with you. You are my everything. I'm fixing my eyes on you. I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to build my life on you. Not for me, but for, only for me, but for my generations to come. And they knew that there was their only lifeline in that moment. A couple years later, the Lord brought them together, uh, two hurting and broken people who really needed each other in that moment. And he um, combined these two families into one. And uh, all, here they are. This is their wedding day. So there's my dad there. And these are the six kids. And they became a, a family of all together, one family. And they, my grandma said that before they got married, she, they were talking her and my grandpa Ron. And they said to each other that, yeah, our, our number one commitment is to serve the Lord, but it, it's also to make sure that all these six kids know Jesus and are raised in his house and love him and build their lives on him too. And so that was their commitment. They spent 54 years together before he passed. And that commitment held true through the good times and the bads. Even in their relationship together, they had some highs and, the, and they had some lows, but they continued to commit to build their lives on him. And the next picture I want to show you is the last time we were all together, not even all of the, the grandkids would have been, great grandkids would have been born yet or all the spouses joined into the family. But there's some of us there together. And um, their commitment to say yes to Jesus, it saved them in that moment when they really needed it. But it not only impacted them, but it's impacted generations to come. All six kids and their spouses are serving the Lord and are a part of God's house wherever God has planted them. All 14 of us grandchildren are serving the Lord with our spouses and are a part of God's house. All 18 great-grandchildren are in God's house, are learning about Jesus, are giving their lives to Him, all because these two people right here said yes to Jesus when the storms were raging and the wind was blowing and the waves were crashing and life was getting really real. They decided in that moment that their firm foundation was going to be built on Christ and Christ alone. And that's my desire for all of us in this place today, 
That's my desire. Ryan and I pray for this all the time. We talk about it all the time here at Love City Church, that we would be a church of generations, that we're not just building for today, but we're building for generations to come. And sometimes I think it's hard to see the next generations. It's hard to see beyond today. It's hard to see beyond this circumstance that you're currently sitting in. But let this story be a, a hopeful reminder to you that your yes to Jesus today really will impact generations to come that there are generations that are coming next that will be impacted by your yes and by your decision to build your life on jesus and i know without a shadow of doubt that yes the storms may continue to blow but as you fix your eyes on him that you will be able to remain steadfast and strong and immovable according to his power and his strength working in and through each and every one of our lives let's close our eyes and pray together this morning if you're in the room and you don't know Jesus yet, I want to give an opportunity for you to receive Christ today and to start this journey for your family and for your future generations, just as Carrie did today, to say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So if that's you in the room today, would you just quickly, as all our eyes are closed, would you just slip up your hand? I just want to know who I'm praying for this morning. If you're saying, hey, I want to dedicate my life to Jesus, thank you. I'll see your hand anyone else in the room saying, hey, I want this life where I give all that I am to Jesus and I allow him to give me strength through every circumstance? Or maybe you're in the room today and you've fallen away and you say, Lord, I just want to come back to where it's all about you again. And I want to remain steady and steadfast in you. We're going to pray for you too this morning as we humble ourselves and we, as we put Jesus first again. His way is so much better. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for this friend in the room today, Lord God, that has given their lives to you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. I pray that you would minister to them right now. I pray that you would meet them where they are, Lord God, that they would have an encounter with your presence, Lord God, that they would be forever changed, that because of their decision today, Lord Jesus, that they publicly declared that you are Lord of their life, Lord God, and in doing so, Lord God, that they would find life in you and that they would find blessings according to your word and they would find hope and new life, Lord God. We just declare that over this person today. We thank you, Lord God, for the decision to serve you. And I thank you, Lord God, for every person in this room today, Jesus. As we're reminded about what it means to build our life on you and, 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 and how your word leads us and guides us according to that, Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, that your way is better, Lord God, that as we fix our eyes on you, we, we allow you to have control, and as we allow our perspective to be transformed, and we, and we continue to say yes to you, Jesus, in this place today, Lord God, I pray that you would lead us and guide us according to your ways and according to your perfect plans, oh God, and that your blessings would pour out in this place upon your people, oh God. We thank you that you desire good things for us and you desire to bless us and sustain us. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus. We give all that we are to you, Lord God. Would you have your way in this place? We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.